Hello, beautifuls. Welcome to another episode and the final episode for the season of Her Sexual Space, a podcast where we have created and intentionally provided a sex positive space to engage in empowering discussions for building relational and sexual awareness. I am your host, Janice. This is our finale and this is a bonus episode. And if you are feeling this episode, because it's going to be a little different, let me know so I can add some of these segments to our podcast plan for fall 2021. Today, we have Victoria on the podcast. We're going to have a chat and um, I hope for some that if this resonates with you, your story of becoming, um, I hope you connect with it and um, we can have a more of a discussion in our uh, Instagram platform or through our website. So Victoria uh, was uh, introduced to me by a mutual friend, Patrice, and um, I'm just so glad that I'm getting to chat with her today. Welcome to the podcast, Victoria. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I'm so glad to be here um, and to be able to share a little bit of my story um, and to be able to speak today. Yes. Well, thank you so much for volunteering your time to, to chat with us. I know uh, there are lots of things you could be doing on this um, beautiful Saturday. It is Saturday, May 1st. We are recording, um, but you've chosen to spend a few minutes with me. So thank you so much. Oh, anytime. This is, this is such a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. So um, share with us, how do you identify uh, yourself in the world? So I identify myself in the world as a Black queer woman. Um, I use uh, the word queer to identify versus lesbian. Um, for me, it's because I'm, a, I'm attracted to um, many people on the spectrum. So that includes non-binary um, and trans people as well. I'm more attracted to women. Okay. Thank you so much for breaking that down for us. I think a lot of the times um, people really struggle with what that looks like. And yeah, it could mean different things for different people. So thanks for really clarifying that for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's very important to like break it down because not everybody understands um, lingo or understands um, all those phrases that we often throw around. I'm in the LGBTQ community. Um, and so it's important that, you know, everybody understands because they can't get a glimpse into our world without a little bit of understanding. Exactly. Thank you so much for that. Um, can you also mention your pronouns? Yes. Um, I identify as she and her. Okay. Thank you so much for that. Any specific relationship styles? I am in a committed relationship. We've been dating for about two years now. Awesome. Thank you for that. So share with me your story of uh, becoming a bit of your background, um, just just so we can understand where you are on your journey right now. Absolutely. Uh, so I grew up in the Bay Area. Um, I grew up in Oakland, California. Um, nice. I was, yeah, it, it was uh, <laughs> the most. It's the most beautiful place in the world. Um, I think I may be a little bit biased. <laughs> Um, I grew up in a single parent household. Um, I went to private uh, Christian school from kindergarten 
um, all the way through college. Um, and so a little bit of my background um, is heavily involved in the church, is heavily involved in evangelicalism um, and spirituality. Um, I will say my mother did a great job um, as a single mother building a village of, around me that was eccentric and eclectic um, and diverse outside of the church world. Um, and so for me, I got a glimpse of various lifestyles, of various backgrounds of Black people in Black culture. Um, and so who I am today, um, it comes from a lot of that influence and wisdom um, of the village that built me. Um, and so I am eternally grateful um, for the experiences yeah. that I had. Um, even, you know, some of them may seem um, traumatic or a lot of it has to do with tragedy and trial. Um, but definitely being able to rise from the ashes um, and be confident in my sexuality um, and confident in my identity, um, not only as a, a queer woman, but as a black woman in America yes. um, has been incredibly important to me over the last couple of years. That is so powerful. And I, I think it's an amazing thing that you still feel so connected with just all of what has brought you to where you are right now. And and I'm I'm from what I see in my work, that is not very, that is not very common. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And um, what an amazing, amazing village you had um, to protect you and to surround you as you will be coming, becoming Victoria. Yes, yes. Um, and I definitely will say um, that the road uh, was quite bumpy um, to this point. Um, as I mentioned before, I grew up in the church. Um, I grew up in evangelicalism. Um, and as a lot of people may not know about um, that sect of Christianity, but it is um, incredibly and can be incredibly homophobic. Um, and can yeah. challenge uh, what it means to be queer, uh, what it means to be a woman. Um, it's not celebrated. It's something um, that's very much shamed and guilted um, from the very beginning. Um, and so that's something that I had to learn to uh, a lot of times stuff um, and quiet. Um, you know, you can um, in the church, I always say um, you can be gay, but everybody doesn't need to know about it. <laughs> So it's like one of those things where you had to be quiet about it. You know, you had to yeah. live a double life. Um, you had to present one way in public and one way in private um, to get by um, as, as, a, as a means of survival uh, for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, we often talk about it in the LGBTQ community that um, LGBTQ teens uh, in the church have a very high suicide rate um, from conversion therapies and um, from what the church calls deliverance sessions. And so yes. um, it is very difficult. Um, and so anybody who survives it and makes it out, um, not unscathed, but able to live and function through it um, and find their healing um, is a tre tremendous, uh, tremendous uh, insight and blessing um, to many who c can come out of it. Yes. Yeah, that is that is so powerful. And I'm glad you touched on some of those things. But as you shared that, I wonder, what was your own story in um, coming out as queer and, and lesbian? Um, where, where did that begin for you? And was that something you were able to immediately connect and share with um, your immediate family or your loved ones? 
Yeah, so when I came out, um, actually coming out, um, a lot of times we think of it as like this a singular event where you, you know, mm-hmm. announce to the world that you're gay and you're proud of who you are. Um, but a lot of times coming out is actually more of a journey than a singular event. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it is definitely, you know, it is a progressive um, journey. Um, when I was, uh, I would say I was about five years old when I realized I was attracted to women. So it started there. It started like, you know, you have friends that you hang out with or, you know, you play uh, house as kids and, you know, I <laughs> chose to be the dad for some reason. And, you know, as a kid, you're like, I just choose to be the dad because, I, can, you know, that's fun playing house. Um, and then as I got older, uh, when I was about 12 years old, um, I decided to share with my mother that I was gay um, or I, I thought I was gay because I'm attracted to women and I just can't get rid of it. There's not enough prayer or deliverance sessions that can change the way I feel. And she's like, no, no, it's just because your dad is around and, you know, the typical, you know, clo- colloquialisms of, you know, mm-hmm. it's maybe because you had an absent father or maybe you don't have enough male figures. And so this is why, you know, you're turning to women, right? So I spent the next, you know, couple of years of my teenage life, you know, like pretending it didn't exist. Like, all right, I, I think I'm gay. I know I'm gay. I know I'm attracted to women, but everybody says it's a phase or, you know, it's something that God would, would heal me from. Um, so when I got to college, I was like, oh, I'm free to be whoever I want to be whoever I choose to be. Um, And from there, um, I began to, you know, dive deeper. Um, I did a lot more reading about queer history and queer culture and the psychology behind sexuality um, and began to find that my attraction to women was not shameful, that it was something that was natural. It was even something that God saw and didn't condemn. And when I became confident in that, um, that's where I began sharing with people who I truly was, not who they wanted me to be, uh, but who I actually was. And so in college, uh, I remember sitting my roommates down and being like, hey, guys, I'm gay. And they're like, oh, we totally already knew that. (laughs) We knew that before (laughs) we met you. You know, we knew it when we met you. And I thought this was going to be some shock, you know, to my friends and to my roommates. uh, But they already knew. Um, And I began to, you know, tell family members here and there and um, began to um, immerse myself in queer culture, you know, started going out to the ballrooms and I started going out um, to the gay clubs. I started going to Pride and different functions where there was just immersed in gay culture um, and began to build my identity um, and my confidence in who I was. Um, and so uh, when I finally came out to the rest of my family who I had, you know, kind of been waiting for those family members who weren't, are not the most accepting, um, who believe that being gay is a sin um, and believe that God condemns it. And I waited a long time to share with them uh, who I was. Um, But when I did, I began to find this tremendous freedom um, in not only myself, but in the life that I live and in a new confidence. And although it came with a lot of heartbreak of, you know, not having relationships with people I've been friends with for years or not having those close bonds with certain family members because they don't accept it. And nor do I want to be preached at every time I come into the room about who I am. And, you know, that that was difficult. And, and sometimes it was very painful. Uh, me and my mom went through a, a tough season of not talking and not communicating and, you know, just 
checking in here and there, but our, our relationship wasn't as strong um, because it was something that was difficult for her to accept. Um, and I think now we've been on this evolution of beginning to learn more about each other, um, more, you know, learning more about who she is and learning more about who I am. Um, she's been a little bit more open to having discussions about being queer and, you know, parents who, you know, are in Christianity and how to, you know, how they love their queer kids. And, um, and it's become quite of an evolution for, you know, my immediate family around me yeah. because it's something that I'm no longer going to support press or deny. Um, and so if you want to be around, if you want to be a part of my life, if, if you say that you love me, this is something that now that you're going to have to learn either to accept or to sometimes even in some instances tolerate. Um, and so that has been quite the journey uh, to say the yeah. least. Um, but I will say that um, at the beginning of coming out, it was very lonely and isolating. Um, I come from a very um, very solid community of evangelicalism. And so when I, I came out, uh, you know, you do lose those lifelong friendships, those people yes. who you considered family. Um, the sense of community um, does make you feel isolated. And of course, like COVID hit shortly after I came yeah. out. Um, and so it, it did get isolating where, you know, I felt like I didn't have any friends or I had a couple of friends, but they're so far away. You know, it's hard to connect all the time and get together because everybody is living their own life. Um, and so I had to learn to really look in the mirror and begin to love myself and self-reflect yes. even in that isolation to be to be confident and to feel like I I was loved. Yes. Yes, that is. And I, I was going to ask, how did you cope with that? Because like you said, it's lonely and isolating. And, um, you know, I think as, you know, as persons um, go through this journey of coming out, there is also this acceptance um, that your family, right? Because before you were even born, you know, you were assigned a, a gender, you were assigned a sex. And there's a certain script that parents have for their children, like yeah. this is gonna be this is my boy and you know you you name him and um this is what his childhood will look like you know they have all the plans for the boys and all the plans for the girls and you're you're disrupting that you know and i think for parents this is a time to really step back and realize that this is more powerful than me this is biology this is science this is someone telling you that i'm not connecting with your script i'm not connecting with the the gender um, presentation or the the gender assignment or whatever that that I have, and I think it's it's important for parents to 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 continue to learn more about that and talk to people, talk to professionals. Um, it's a learning process, but it's also a a journey and um, healing um, grief because there is grief there because yeah. there was once this ideal that no longer exists. Right, and that can be hard. Absolutely. But it sounds like you're able to work through some of those, some of those uh, conflicts. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, definitely. And conflict is something I'm no stranger to. Um, I've mm -hmm. been through quite a bit of, quite a <laughs> bit of conflict, excuse me, um, in my yeah. life, uh, in my yeah. lifetime, I'm, I'm 29. I, I say it like I, you know, I'm like six years old <laughs> and I've like lived this crazy life. Um, but up until this point, you know, life has mm -hmm. been 
um, hasn't been perfect. Um, and that's okay. I think everything builds upon itself um, to mm-hmm. get you to the place that you're at. Um, and so this was just another, you know, it's another step in the staircase of the journey. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, and it, like you said, it is um, something that was difficult to work through. I think mm-hmm. right now, I will say in the midst of the pandemic, so many resources became more available. And there's so many other people that are in similar situations where, you know, you can read a blog, you can listen to a podcast, you can read a book. You know, there's so much information out there yeah. um, that where you can grab a hold of something um, and feel connected. Um, even in those isolating times. And I think that was something that was just an incredible, incredible experience to have despite the pandemic being all that it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. There we, you know, I think we're coming to this stage of um, not just sexual liberation, but the information technology, there's so much. And I'm enjoying this shift, you know, because these are conversations that I, I want more people to have access to, especially in in extremely conservative um, environments. Yeah. So tell me, so did you ever like date, did you ever date men? You know, how did you really come to, you know, figuring out, am I really, really attracted to women? I I wonder for you, was there like a exploration or testing phase? Yeah, absolutely. So I I have dated men um, in my earlier young adult years and in my Mm -hmm. teenage years. uh, You know, it it was something that was socially acceptable, right? Yeah. Um, So you know, the norm, (laughs) norm, right? The the norm. Um, And I've you know I've dated men. Um, I was engaged at one point to a man. Um, I think for me, the exploration really started with women um, in my middle of my teen years of, you know, having those more than friends or the, you know, the quote unquote friends, but you could tell there's, there's a lot more there than just, you know, friendship, right. You know, mm-hmm. you kiss or, you know, perhaps, you know, you go on a secret date or, you know, you share nuances um, and, you know, quiet secrets. Um, that really was like the beginning of the exploration Um, I think when I got to college, though, I did take on a lot more by putting myself out there, um, as they say, you know, stepping my game up, you know, when I went out to the bars, you know, to hit on women, to learn how to, you know, buy drinks and, you know, build those relationships, uh, be more flirtatious is something that um, was not, you know, so normal for me. I'm a little bit of an ambivert. So, you know, when you get to know me, I'm like super sociable, but like <laughs> before you get to know me, I'm kind of quiet and shy, a little bit introverted, you know, kind of nervous of like, oh, are these people going to like me or not? Um, so that really was like kind of the tip of the iceberg for me was going to college and, you know, meeting people. And, you know, because I went to a private Christian university, there were lots of queer people around me, but nobody could could say they were openly queer. Um, so it was like stumbling upon a unicorn, you know, you would meet yeah. someone and you're like, oh, you know, what do you do? What do you like? And you start building a friendship. You're like, oh my gosh, you're gay too. Me too. And then you, you know, <laughs> find a friend and then they've met somebody who's queer yeah. and you kind of build this secret society of queer people in the midst mm-hmm. of this, you know, huge Christian campus. Um, and so I, I found a community like that. I, I have lifelong friendships who, you know, will be aunties and uncles to my children in the future. Future, um, who I, I talk to on the regular, um, but they helped me get through that exploration. And we kind of, you know, learned together, you know, it was something new. Um, it was something that, you know, a lot of us hadn't expected to, to actually 
dive into because you know you're taught so much that being gay is a sin or that you know yes. who you are is an abomination to God. Exactly. Um, and so you know when you stumble upon people who are willing to take the risk with you and step out there and say you know this is who I am. Let's learn together. Let's find out what we could you know do. Um, it, it is an incredible journey of exploration, and I think that's where it really took off for me. Yeah, and what I'm hearing is community, and that is so important. Yes, yeah, having that community. So in, in from your experience, of course, this is a sexual space, so we're exploring all things sexuality. Um, so in, in what ways have you found that um, your lesbian relationships maybe differed from your heterosexual, you know, attempts at a relationship? <laughs> Um, I found that that my my queer and lesbian relationships Mm -hmm. definitely became more intimate emotionally faster than my relationships with men did. Uh, You know, I I would date a guy for like six months to almost a year before we talked about like the hard stuff, you know, beyond the what's your favorite color or what's your favorite drink or what are you doing tonight? Or, you know, you're laying in bed and it's midnight and they're like, what you wearing? You know, I found that my conversations with women, you know, by this, by the second date, were like, you know, what is your favorite position? Or, you know, how do you feel about kids in the future? Or, you know, what are your pet peeves? Or what, what is something you really love? And they kind of took off faster emotionally than my relationships with men. Um, I find that a lot of times in my heteronormative relationships um, that I had, um, a lot of it was men that were very much more guarded when it came to the emotional state. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. We, we see that all around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, you know, diving into, um, not even just diving into like the intimacy, um, because I think for sex for men and women are, are very different and are seem very different. Um, but I think even the all around intimacy of, you know, what makes you sad? You know, what's something that made you really happy? What What is, you know, something that brings you pain? You know, tell me about those things in your life that have brought you pain. I Even at those points, I felt that a lot of my relationships with men um, kind of stood still at those points. When those questions came up, it was very much deflected either back to sexual attraction or deflected to what are we going to do tonight? Or what we're going to do tomorrow, you know, by an activity. Uh, whereas my, very familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas, you know, my conversations with women when it came to, you know, things that brought them pain or things that brought them joy and happiness and even like the things that made them sad uh, definitely was more of a conversation. It, it wasn't a standstill. You know, you can text someone all day and be like, oh, how was your day? Oh, okay. So you're sad. And a lot of men would just leave it at that. Like, oh, I hope you feel better. But with a woman, she's like, you know, what's making you sad? Or, you know, what's going on? And why do they treat you like that? You know, they dive more into the story, dive in more into the emotion of it all and, and become very empathetical um, yeah. to it. And so it, it very much differed. And I think a strong foundation for intimacy is um, emotion. Yeah. And, it, and it is that that emotional intimacy um, that sets the floor to how physical intimacy is going to be in, in the future. Yeah. 
And now that you've mentioned physical intimacy, <laughs> let's talk about pleasure. So I have come across a few studies that show that sexual satisfaction rates are suddenly higher among queer and lesbians um, compared to heterosexual relationship. What do you think contributes to just that huge gap? I think the huge gap um, is not necessarily um, the act of sex. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel, uh, in my opinion, you can, the act of sex is the easy part. You know, it's, it's like, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. It's, it's that, <sighs> it's the easy part that I'm attracted to you. You're attracted to me. Like, let's, let's have sex. That's, that's the easy part. I think the reason why it rates higher with lesbian women is because we take more time um, when it comes to foreplay, we take more time mm-hmm. to have those discussions of like, what do you like in bed? Do you like to be touched here? Do you like toys? Do you not like toys? What is something I can do to make you orgasm? And I think that's not always a question men ask. That They're not digging for what makes you orgasm. They're like, I know what I like and I know what gets me off. Yeah. Now gets you off too um (laughs) (laughs) you know just like in the in the like-mindedness just thinking that no woman's gonna be like-minded in the sense of pleasure as they are Um, but that's not always the case um and i think lesbian women do an incredible job of finding out uh, what stimulates a woman um i always say that stimulation starts in the brain first if i can oh yes yeah you know (laughs) if i can stimulate your mind um i've achieved the highest goal because your body, you know, your body will automatically, you know, tremble and fall into place if you can yeah. the mind first. That is that is so beautiful. I love how you state that. And we, we keep, I think it keeps coming up on every episode, but the brain is really the biggest erogenous zone. And once that is once that is tapped into, I think naturally there, you know, everything else falls in place. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I always, you know, I always think of it this way. Like if I can make love to your mind without touching your body, then sex, the sex is, is now, um, is just the physical act. Making, making love has already began and started with the, with the mind, you know, the physical touch is just like the cherry on top. Mm -hmm. That is, that is so beautiful. Yeah. You're touching on all the points there. Uh, so what tips or advice would you have for, you know, cis men? Because um, I feel like men can learn so much from queer and lesbians um, and, and just the, just all of these relationships. Because I think there is a different dynamic to it that we don't often see in heterosexual relationships. So I wonder what advice would you, you give or what, what tips would you, you know, would you if you're talking with a man right now, what would you share? Um, I definitely would share is what's ask a woman, what stimulates her, what gets her to orgasm. Um, I think a lot of times, like a, a lot of times, even with men or even sometimes with lesbian, we get caught up in the physical attraction and the chemistry and the, Ooh, I, I make you feel good. You make me feel good. So let's do it. Um, but it's taking a breath and stopping and saying, Hey, you know, before I touch you, where do you want to be touched? You know, you kind of make it a game, kind of like a treasure hunt. You know, how how many ways can I touch, caress, kiss, lick you um, that will bring you to the point of explosion? Um, and I think taking that extra step does make intimacy so much better. I will also say um, 
to men is not to be afraid of toys. I think, you know, when you bring up the conversation of toys, of vibrators, um, of dildos, or um, any form of like bondage play, um, or, you know, sometimes it's even submissive play, some men are like, oh no, oh no, that's, that's weird. They do that in movies, you know, maybe they do it on the pornos I watch, but that is something that I, I don't want to do. Um, but a lot of times it's, it's not even the kink. Um, it is about finding that uh, additional uh, pleasure. And I think that yeah. if, if men weren't so afraid to tap into that and, you know, not saying that they have to go all out, you know, wear the leather mask and you know, right. stains and whips, right. But to just, mm-hmm. you know, be, um, be confident, not only in your sexuality as a man, but to be confident in your, in your relationship with your partner and to build that trust to say, you know, bringing toys doesn't emasculate me. In fact, that it, it enhances um, our physical intimacy. It enhances, you know, our sexual life. I mean, not yeah. to be afraid of that because uh, I, I, a lot of men that I know are like, no, hell no. Mm-mm. She brought that in. I'm out, you know, but it, it, it is not to be afraid of. It's not to be scared of. And it's not a form to emasculate. Um, I think that's something that a lot of men had, have to get out of the, the idea or thought of is that toys are a way of emasculation when in actuality it is a form of enhancement. Yeah. Sensation play. That's, that's yeah. how I see it. Right. And right. focusing on all the things that, helps her get to that place um, and it also benefits you because she's enjoying it and she's having fun but also I know that um, women are, some women are not great at even communicating some of those needs so oh, yeah. I wonder what tips do you have for um, a, a woman um, a person who was you know really struggling with with their own sexuality and um, you know being in tune with their own their own needs right? Right. I, I think definitely it's something that we learn in our culture mm-hmm. as women is to you can have um, a, an opinion, um, but sometimes not everybody wants to hear your opinion, opinion or you don't have to be the loudest voice in the room. Um, and we've kind of carried that into every relationship and every aspect in our life. Um, and I think that's a difficult thing, you know, because as women were taught that so early on, you know, to be more humble or to be meek or to be gentle or, you know, not to speak up on certain things. Um, but your sexual pleasure is one of the most important parts of your overall life. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, like it's just sex, but how you feel about your body, how you feel about your your confidence, um, how you feel about your self-esteem, and maybe even um, the physicality of sex, a lot of that stems from pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if you don't speak up on it, um, you can live a life without pleasure. And that does not sound like a happy life. Um, some people may be content with it, um, but there are a lot of people, you know, who want to find that joy and contentment and being physical. Um, and I think it's just learning how to speak up and know that your voice, um, it's important. Your needs are important. Um, a lot of times we push it to the side or we feel like we have to be self-sacrificing um, yes. in the needs department. Um, but we don't have to be, you know, there are, I, I truly believe that you know, there are some people who are like, oh, I may lose my partner because I'm speaking up about what I need. Um, but a, a, a true partner, a, a, a real love, someone who loves you, someone who respects you and honors you, 
um, is going to take the minute to listen to what your needs are and be able to find ways that may, if it feels compromising for them, find ways where together um, you guys can find that happy medium of pleasure um, because it is deserving. Um, and you don't have to sacrifice it because your partner doesn't think you're worth it. Yes, that is so beautiful. I love how you said that. Um, is there anything else uh, you you feel like might be important to share? I think another thing that's important is definitely the self-care. I think that, you know, we think of, um, sometimes we think of sex as like just a, you know, person at one person and another person I'm um, enjoying a physical act together but even their self-care and masturbation um mm-hmm. that's something that you know a lot of times we shy away from or we try to avoid talking about you know because culture and the media has so- sometimes demonized um the mm-hmm. idea of self-pleasure um yeah. but it, it is it is an important part of self-care um it does you know it does help you know, heal the body. It does help release stress. You know, you don't always have to have a partner to stimulate yourself. Um, and I definitely think that's an, another piece, you know, not to be afraid of it, you know, to, to take that time on the weekend or take that time after work, you know, and stimulate yourself. I mean, you will begin to find that there's some additional confidence that comes with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Victoria, for joining us and um, just sharing um, just some snippets into your life and and in your experience. Um, I think, you know, I want to do a little bit more of these so people can hear real life experiences and um, just varied experiences of of other people. And um, just thank you so much for joining us um, for this this quick chat. And uh, to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us in, in this final bonus episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And of course, if you like this, um, let me know so we can have a little bit more of those uh, chats on our podcast um, this fall. Uh, thank you so much. Bye-bye.